I fought in the Second World War. I was in the United States Navy. I was told then, and I fought with the knowledge that this was the war to end all wars, that we were going to defeat fascism and mankind could turn its attention to the best that was in man. And now I come and my son is 10 years old and I will arm him with everything that I can so that he will be free of any primitive, medieval, you know, concepts about false patriotism, about boundaries, about the meaning of flags. You know, mankind is much bigger than all of these primitive symbols. And I don't want to see my boy with his face uh, stuck in some rice paddy, off in Vietnam or off in some other land, protecting the interests of the establishment and, and trying to reward their greed with his life. Uh, I'm opposed to it. And I don't want him to be armed with a sense of being able to go off and destroy another human being anywhere in the world whom he's never known. It's, 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 it's inhuman. It's terrible. And the reason I hang around is to make sure that uh, in my old age, if I live to see it, that uh, I will be able to say that in my lifetime I, I did all that I could with what was at my disposal because I would hate for my children to look at me and to say, uh, where were you during the moment of the great decision?
Oh, is this the lecture hall with Seymour Hirsch? I, I just, I'm looking for the one with Seymour Hirsch because it's a policy and press hall event. So shouldn't we be talking about the Nord Stream since that's the biggest story of the century? And you guys, you know, I mean, you have the executive editor of the New York Times there who came out with a phony story to try and block Seymour Hirsch. It just, it's just kind of funny how that happened, you know? I mean, did you even acknowledge Seymour Hirsch? All of you are executive editors of papers that broke Pentagon, My Lai, Watergate. Is this the same papers or not? I mean, is there anything you've gotten right in the last 20 years or am I mistaken about that? I mean, it's just kind of funny because Iraq, wrong. Syria, wrong. Russiagate, really wrong. Okay, I mean, the list goes on and on. So the last thing you could do to try and actually fix your reputation is acknowledge that through leaks we had to find out that Zelensky was going to bomb Moscow on the anniversary. I mean, if you're so impartial, shouldn't you at least say, right, that Zelensky was going to bring us on the verge of World War III? That seems pretty fair. While Julian Assange rots in prison, all of you got, you know, fat checks because he's in jail for doing your job. And you know what? Tucker Carlson ain't no Seymour Hirsch, but he did something you guys are scared to do. Speak the truth and actually be critical of the war, which is why he was actually fired from Fox. Because you are all cowards, every single one of you. None of you have actually had any relevancy. And you know what? The mainstream press is now dying. Nobody's ever going to listen to you again. You have no credibility with the public. The only people who care about what you have to say are elite assholes who have nothing productive to say anymore. And it's dying off. So will you at least say something either about Nord Stream or Ukraine or the fact that Zelensky brought us to the verge of World War III and the only reason we knew about that was through leaks? Say something about this bombing. We blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Listen, don't stand there while there are people rotting in prison. Nobody said anything about Uhuru, right? The socialists who are in jail for being critical of this war? God damn it! At least say something about the people in jail for being critical of this war. They don't deserve to be in prison right now!
Good evening, folks. You're tuning in to Cheap Tuesdays 101.5 UMFM. I'm Dan, back here May 2023 with a new show. Started off there with KMFDM World War Three from the album of the same name. Uh, you know, I've never been a massive fan of those guys, but when they get it right, I like it. And uh, that's certainly a great one. Follow that up with an interview clip of the legendary Harry Belafonte, singer and activist, one of the last people alive who had a direct connection with the great Dr. King, and I love what he said there about war. Uh, he died last week at the age of 96. Uh, after that was Skinny Puppy Tin Omen from their album Rabies, done with Ministry, which accounts for all the metal Ministry-like qualities in there. Not one of their best albums in total, but it's got some excellent tracks on it. Um, one message in that song that I like is when he says, Gotta keep the camera alive. You know, it's such a blessing and a curse having cell phones, right? I mean, if you've read 1984, you understand what telescreens are and what their purpose is. And we haven't just allowed it to happen, but we worship them and carry them around in our pockets, using them to spy on each other at every opportunity. Orwell would be disgusted by that, I think. But then on the other hand, we can use them to catch beautiful examples of scumbag liars being publicly humiliated by average people like Jose Vega, who you heard confronting the executive editors of the New York Times, Washington Post, Reuters, LA Times on their censorship efforts and general corruption. Fantastic stuff. Uh, then we finished it off with Nitzer Ebb from That Total Age, and the track there was called Join in the Chant. Man, that band really had some amazing tracks, and I particularly love the uh, sort of unhinged repetition of that one. So referenced in all of that was another huge piece of news from the last week or two, Tucker Carlson being ousted from Fox News. And this comes almost exactly 20 years after Phil Donahue was fired from MSNBC for his views on the Iraq War. And that's the thing about being consistent in your views, folks. I was against that at the time, 20 years ago, and I'm against this one now. Now, there's definitely a lot of things I disagree with Tucker on, not that I watch him all that often, but I really respected his anti-war voice on Syria and Ukraine. And regardless of whether or not I agreed with things that he say or disagree, he has the right to speak up about something so important. Yet it sure seems like that's exactly what got him fired. You also maybe heard about those four socialists, African-American socialists, by the way, arrested by the Biden government for having and spreading the wrong opinion about this war. Now there's some BS in there about them taking some money from Russia, but I think it amounts to less than a couple of thousand dollars. How much money do you think politicians and other elites take from foreign countries to espouse support for their views, I wonder? Hmm. I wonder if it's more than $2,000. Hmm. Do you think it is? <laughs> Last but certainly not least, it's coming out now just how close we recently were to a full-on confrontation between Russia and NATO. This was reported by Nathan J. Robinson. Um, so our, here's a, a direct quote here. Uh, a Russian fighter jet fired a missile at a manned British surveillance aircraft flying over the Black Sea in September, but the munition malfunctioned, according to U.S. defense officials and a recently leaked classified U.S. intelligent report. The incident was far more serious than originally portrayed and could have amounted to an act of war. According to two U.S. defense officials, the Russian pilot had misinterpreted what a radar operator on the ground was saying to him and thought he had permission to fire. The pilot who had locked on the British aircraft fired, but the missile did not launch properly. Uh, so he launched a missile directly at a NATO reconnaissance jet packed with 30 or more Royal Air Force personnel. 
In that moment, the Russian fighter pilot came very close to igniting World War III. Under NATO's treaty, if one member of the military alliance falls victim to an armed attack, all members of the alliance are obliged to consider it an attack on all of them and to collectively respond. The only thing that saved the dozens of British crew members from what the U.S. documents called a near shootdown was a technical glitch that caused the missile to miss its target, and it was another glitch that caused the pilot to fire the missile in the first place. So this sounds very similar to an incident unearthed about the Cuban Missile Crisis, where we were the push of a button away from nuclear war, and another incident in the Reagan years where the Soviet Union almost mistook a sort of practice operation for the real thing. Reagan apparently went deathly white when he realized how close they had come to a nuclear confrontation. And this is what I mean. We're playing with fire here, folks. We think we're all technologically advanced and this could never happen. Don't worry, we've got it all under control. I mean, really? Do you actually think that? What is it about human history that's given you that confidence? This war needs to stop before one of these mistakes ends up putting us in the real thing and ending all of human existence. Canada used to be proud of its role as peacekeeper in the world, and the rest of the world valued it as well, I can tell you. I've traveled a lot in my life, and I always got welcomed when I said I was Canadian. But now, for some reason, we think we've got to pick a side and push for war. And look which side we've picked. Are we sure we've picked the good guys, if such a thing even exists? The U.S. just put four African Americans in jail for having opinions on this war, and they fired the top media personality in the country for the same reason. Isn't that something we always say the bad guys do? And what about Zelensky in Ukraine, banning political parties, banning media organizations, banning language rights? As Canadians, shouldn't we be particularly sensitive about that last one, given the struggles we faced with the French language and the rights of our French-speaking communities? And so since we're not doing anything helpful for the world pe for world peace anymore, China is. Why couldn't we have brokered a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and Iran, which might actually bring the war in Yemen to a close? A war which the UN said has cost more than 400,000 lives, by the way, and caused one of the worst humanitarian crises in the world. So because we're not doing it, China's doing it. And we're supposed to be against that because no, 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 China are the bad guys. I mean, do bad guys broker peace deals? I guess my overall point here is that the fairy tale of good guys and bad guys that the media and the government are trying to sell you is exactly that. It's a fairy tale. We don't live in a James Bond movie. There are no good guys. There are no good wars. Let's put a stop to this nonsense before we incinerate the entire world. So you're tuned in to Cheap Tuesdays, 101.5 UMFM. I'm your host, Dan. On a lighter note... Do you like video games? I sure do. When all this garbage is driving me crazy, there's nothing that I like doing to relax more than turn on a video game and just forgetting about the insanity of the world. And uh, one of those that has been with me my entire life uh, since he was first jumping barrels trying to rescue someone from a giant monkey, uh, Mario. And uh, man, I've been playing Mario my whole life and I've been loving it. I just recently, finally, after not getting the Wii U, I was doing a bit of catching up, and I finally got around to playing Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch, which uh, I thought was great. Um, you know, if there's one criticism, there's too much, too many little secrets to find. I thought it was just uh, a little bit, like, it got boring after you finish the game, and if you're trying to clean up and get everything to 100%, excuse me, to 100% uh, it, no, I'm <laughs> not going to do that. 
Um, but there was a there was a, a re-release of um, the Wii U one. I think it's called 3D Land, Super Mario in 3D Land. And when it re-released on the Switch, it came with a bonus game called Bowser's Fury, and that's fantastic. Uh, highly recommended there. That's a short but sweet but thoroughly engaging, and, and with different kind of gameplay. Um, you know, it's um, I don't want to ruin too much for you, but uh, go and check it out. It's great. So all this to say, uh, I went to see the Mario movie a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. You know, I have to say I was a little bit like, I, I don't like to watch trailers and things. I hate getting spoiled. So I didn't know anything about it going in, didn't read any media. But I was a little hesitant about whether they were going to ruin it. But I think they they deserve a lot of credit for understanding how important this was to so many people's childhoods that they just they just didn't want to change anything. And, you know, they kept all the all the positivity, all the quirkiness, all the joy, all the working together, all of the elements of, of Mario that that, you know, anybody who's played the games just loves. And they've put that up on the screen. Just such a fun, fun movie. So uh, even if you don't have kids, if you're a Mario fan, just go and see it yourself <laughs> like I did. And so the score for this movie, I'll just read you off what it says here on Wikipedia because it's nice and concise. Um, the original score for the film is composed by Brian Tyler, who incorporated and remixed the original themes from longtime Mario composer Koji Kondo under his collaboration. According to Tyler, he wanted to incorporate the music that I heard in that 8-bit form and along the way bring it into the world of a big, epic, emotional film score. This resu resulted in partly original music that referenced several leaf motifs from various Mario games as well as themes from Donkey Kong. Brian Tyler, if you don't know his name, and I certainly, it doesn't jump out at me as something that I know, to be honest, but I'm scanning here, looking at the list of some of the theatrical films he did things for. Um, going most recent, we've got things like Scream 6, um, Charlie's Angels, Rambo, Last Blood, Escape Room, Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> The Power Rangers. It seems like he's The Avengers Age of Ultron. Seems like he's a big action movie score maker. Uh, Thor, The Dark World, Iron Man 3, all of these kinds of things. I'm not going to keep reading them. So, uh, you know, that kind of composer. Um, but, you know, still great. I, I really enjoyed a lot of the music because the Mario music, I mean, it, you can't go wrong, really. Koji Kondo was a, was a genius in a lot of ways. Um, so, going to stop talking now, finally. And uh, as much music as I can cram in in the remaining... Uh, section of the show from the Super Mario Brothers movie released earlier this year. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been Cheap Tuesdays, 11.5 UMFM. I'll be back next week, same time, same place. Goodbye.
is from my one and only true love, Princess Peach. Peach, you're so cool. And with my star, we're gonna rule. Peach, understand, I'm gonna love you till the very end.
your brothers in plumbing's a game. We're not like the others who get all the fame. When your sick is in trouble, you could call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. And the others hanging with the plumbers, you'll get hooked on the brothers to the bridge.